Rene Borg from runningcoach.ie. Rene, great to have you with us again and ready. Hope you're keeping well. Yeah, I'm well on. So we are baking in the sweltering heat here, finally. I know, it's fantastic to see. And of course, the summer season means racing season, Rene, as well. And we've got a really interesting topic this week. And it's about staying sharp during race season. Yeah, so we we know we like to keep our our topics kind of relevant to what's going on, and the um, I know for instance my club WhatsApp group has been absolutely hopping for the last few weeks because people have started going to the Immer races, you know, and some of them even have gone for the first time, and some of them have gone uh, for the first time in a long time, you know, if not the first time ever, and um, so we just thought it could be interesting to talk about racing season and what that means and, and how you should train at that time. Um, because the mistake most people make in racing season is actually that they keep training too hard, you know, and that's why there's an old saying that, you know, you shouldn't train hard and race hard at the same time, because it's impossible to keep fresh and sharp then and to perform well. Um, but that's, you know, when you have a nice little sentence like that, it, it gives away the gist of what you're meant to be doing. But there's still a few steps to take it to implementation. Uh, so I hope we could give a few tips just on, on like how do you actually then structure those kinds of weeks and what are the different scenarios? Um, well, it's a great topic, Rene, because even just as we're speaking now, like I'm looking at our friends in IMRA on the IMRA website. And if you look at their calendar, you know, we were starved of racing for so long. But have a look at IMRA.ie, go to the events section. And there's literally just two races nearly every week for the next couple of weeks. It's fantastic to see. And I know even I was talking to a friend of mine this morning and he was saying, oh, listen, I think I might do a race every week. But so the first question really is, is it okay to do a race every week? And even with Imre, there's nearly two races every week um, if you're that way inclined. So what do you think? Is it healthy? Is it good to be racing every week over the summertime? Yeah, well, you can, <laughs> you can argue whether, whether it's healthy or not because it depends on your level of preparation and it depends how you approach the races. And, you know, if you approach every single one like the Olympics, uh, and you are very poorly trained, you know, you just, then it's, it's probably not going to be healthy for you. Yeah. Um, if you're also then trying to, to do a lot of other running, then even worse. So you kind of need to answer that question in the context of what does the, what would an idea, what, what's, what's the textbook way of doing it? And then we can talk about reality after. Um, because I know the temptation, like when I started with Imra in my second season, I think I raced 45 or 47 times or something. And, um, there was a lot of two races per week. There was even, I think, one or two, three races in a week. Um, and obviously, you can't you, you can't do that for very long before you start to feel a bit stale. Um, and before you notice that when you're at the start line of the races, you're not feeling so fresh anymore. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, this happens even when you have good preparation. So just let's take textbook. The textbook example would be, that you've done a nice base phase, maybe in the winter, maybe in the kind of the, the late, uh, sorry, the early spring, where you got in a lot of volume, you're well conditioned, you're well prepared, you did some specific training, you know, where you got in some speed work, so your body get used to that as well. You might even have done a few races as preparation, you know, where you weren't so fussed about the result, maybe you weren't giving it 100%. That would be textbook, right? Because it would mean you would arrive at the summer, where there's a ton of races, um, and you're very excited to perform well and you know show the world what you can do with all this training that you've accumulated. And you're in a good position because your body is now able to handle a lot of stress. And that means 
you will be able to race longer during the summer and more before you start to feel stale, you know, before the niggles creep up and before your performances begin to fall off. But some people listening to this, they won't have had this build-up. There will be some people who maybe they were just recently injured, but they really have the graph running and they want to jump into the deep end and do some races to get excited about everything. And I understand that because in the beginning, you don't really necessarily do running because it's a serious thing. You know, you, you can go about it in a serious way, but you're not too serious about it. Like it's fun, it's a hobby and you want to enjoy it. And so if that's the mindset, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be the coach that tells people, no, no, you can't race because the last six months weren't picture perfect. You just need to be a little bit more careful about how you manage your body um, in the races. And you, you'll have to, to notice the effect that each race has on you. You know, so if you, can yeah. really, if you really start feeling broken and beat up, uh, then you do need to say, well, there is a really nice race next week and it's very shiny, but I should take two weeks now just of easy running, just let the body settle down a bit. Yeah, it's great advice, Renny. And I suppose it's about balancing the the social enjoyment of going to see your friends every Wednesday and every Saturday, but then producing a good performance as well. And maybe a key message is that you don't need to go to the well in every race, that some races you can go to and just treat them as a tempo run, a 40 minute, a 50 minute tempo run without going in to the danger zone into, you know, really high competitive pace where you're really, really pushing the body. The next question when I was going to ask was, if you are racing every week, or even maybe twice weekly um, on the Wednesday and then the Saturday or Sunday race with Imra, for example, what can we do after the race and between each race? Is it simply that we just need to allow the body to recover, stay in our zone one, stay in our zone two that we've spoken about a lot on the podcast and just allow the body to recover? Because if not, if we keep on trying to push it with hard running or even an extra session squeezed in between, that's maybe when we might have problems. Yeah, so the when you get to the racing period, you essentially take the mindset that you can't build any new skills or abilities or fitness. You know, So once you say now it's racing season, this is what I want to focus on. You should say, okay, I just want to keep a hold of the fitness I have. And I might try and kind of sharpen and coordinate some little details um, that I'm where I feel I could I could improve. But what you're trying to avoid between the races is anything that's hard and extensive. And a good example would be don't go and do 20 by 400 on the track in a in a week where there's also a race. You know, you could you could come up with a few exceptions to this rule. But for the general person, if you're going to do a hard session to keep sharp, because let's say you only have one race that weekend, you would do basically a toned down versions of sessions you're already familiar with. You know, so for instance, you might go out and do six by four. Um, right. It's just a little nudge to the body to say we're still here. Keep sharp. We feel good. Feel confident. Um, but you're not trying to exhaust the body. You keep that for the race day. Um, another example of that, which is the, most people are not familiar with, but I, I think it's a great example um, of how these kind of race period workouts can be different, is what Arthur Liddy called wind sprints. And they're called wind sprints because they make you winded. And uh, the idea with them is that you basically run um, one or two miles 
where you alternate either 50 meters or 100 meters, it depends a bit on the athlete, of very hard with just float, you know, so just easy jog, put take the foot, foot off the gas pedal. And that is a very strange workout because it feels quite intense and your legs get quite heavy very quickly. But the session is over usually in about 10-12 minutes. Uh, so he, he used that type of workout and you don't have to do exactly this. He used that as an example of a workout that people could do in the racing season if they wanted to maintain what you know what's called the anaerobic capacity but it's this ability you know to tolerate oxygen debt and, and high intensity uh, without tiring the whole body right and he used this example of the 20 by 4 he says if you go and do 20 by 4 you're going to be really tired it might take your nervous system three days to recover right and that that's a big gamble if you keep adding in little sessions like that and um, as you're also doing one or two races per season uh, sorry, per season, per week. Um, and that, that kind of gives away the other thing that you need to look after, which is your aerobic base, because that's still everything. You know, all of the running rests on that. And the moment you start racing regularly, you're taking money out of that account. And that means the, the more aerobic, so very easy running, generally zone one, not zone two, once you get to the racing season, because you just want to keep it easy. Yeah. The more of that you can keep as warm-ups and cool-downs, kind of a, a toned-down, but still a longish run, maybe on the Sunday. Um, the Just filler on the days where there's nothing else. The more of that you can keep, the longer your aerobic bank account will last you. Whereas if you're so beat up, let's say because you do a race and then you do a hard session, that your volume drops, let's say, to 50% of what you used to do, then you're going to see your race performances fall off much quicker. You know, so instead of lasting, maybe instead of having two months of good racing where you're roughly at the same level, you might only have four or five weeks and then you become noticeably worse. You know, and it's not just in the race. What you tend to notice as this aerobic base goes away is that you feel you recover less and less quickly after each race. Yeah, you know um, that's a problem in itself, especially if you're trying to do the usual Imra, do a Wednesday and then a Sunday or Saturday run. Uh, and I might just throw into the debate as well, Renny, about say our more competitive listeners, or even those listeners who have a big target in mind in say early September, late September, Kerryway Ultra, the weekend of the third and the fourth, Eco Trail, for example, at the end of September, that. To do a couple of races now in July and August is actually fantastic training as well. Now, they don't necessarily need to be going 100% in these, in these races, but to do one or two races a month, one or two races in July, one or two races in August is ideal preparation for that bigger target or that big one race where you want to perform really well in September. Yeah, you know, there's there's always been two schools of thought among coaches. There's been some coaches um, who felt you should never do this thing of, uh, what would you say, tr running a race as training. Because, you know, you probably heard these arguments on. They felt that it teaches you to have a ready-made excuse um, and it can become a habit. You know, I, I can see their point. I can really see it. But I think it's simplistic. Um, I think if you are disciplined and if you are willing to take pain when it's really important to you, and I think a lot of us are, uh, then it's it's definitely very useful to do controlled races because you can still learn so much in a race, even if you're, say, you know, I'll just 
train through this. I won't back off so much the days before or the day after. Um, so I mightn't perform, you know, at, at my very best. I don't care. I just want to be there at the start line. I want to see the feel, the buzz. Uh, I'm, maybe you want to try out something new, you know, maybe a, a new race pack, a new type of strategy. You know, you want to try maybe and go out harder than you did previously. Whatever it is, you know, it could be many things. And you can only learn that in a race setting, you know, no matter how well you set up your training, it's never going to be quite a substitute for that. Um, yeah. And you don't want that experience to be your, you say, your A race, you know, the, the most important one. Yeah, I remember the the famous Ukrainian cross-country runner, Renny, I think his name was Sergei Lebed. And he won the European Cross Country Championships on eight or nine occasions, but you would never see him before the actual championship race. He would just train all winter long and then he'd come to the race day and on, on nine occasions he blew the rest of Europe away. So, I mean, it is an alternative strategy not to race anything in July and August and just keep your powder dry and then come Kerry Ultra or come Eco Trail at the end of September. You're just raring to go. You're like an animal caged up. Another point maybe, Rennie, just worth mentioning as well is, of course, all the external factors around the racing season as well. Things like keeping stress levels down as well, because when we're looking to have a, a peak performance, isn't it so important that we're getting our sleep right? We're getting our seven or eight hours. If at all possible, stress levels in work and family life are under control as well. Because as we've spoken about before, a couple of times on the show, um, that if we're stressed out, that does have a terrible impact on race performance. Yeah, I think we've... I certainly had this experience personally, Owen. I don't know about you, but I used to be an overly agitated racer uh, in my early days. Um, and I know many clients who feel the same. Um, and it's if you are generally, they, they say actually, if you are this kind of type A personality who gets a little bit more riled up or excited, you could say, about things, you know, it's kind of the opposite of the more laid back types. Uh, you need to learn to control that because the higher your stress level is overall in your life, the more ramped up you already are. And if you then go to the start line and you suffer from a bit of pre-race anxiety, which is often, it, 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 you know, I don't want to psychoanalyze people because there's so many reasons you can take too much. You can be too eager to prove yourself at the start line. Um, you can have too high expectations of yourself relative to your actual abilities, you know, so you're not being realistic. Um, you can have too many self-doubts, um, you know, so even though you have the ability, whatever it is, there's, there would be different strategies for sorting all of that out. Um, I've personally just over the years learned to, to have a more of a relaxed attitude. You know, I think once you race more, you get a little bit older, a little bit more mature. Um, you don't hang your hat only on one performance. Um, you know, you kind of see everything in a broader context. That's very helpful. It was for me anyway, because it means when I go to the start line, even if I'm not in shape, um, I'm not, I don't feel it's any great loss to myself, uh, let's say my sense of self-esteem, if the race doesn't pan out the way I want, you know, whereas the younger me, for instance, would have been more sensitive, you know, would so would have had more agitation at the start line. So if you're any, if you're anyway like that, for whatever reason it is, um, you know, definitely watch that you try and relax during the day. Um, and if you are agitated because you have a bad day at work, maybe you need to learn some kind of circuit breaker techniques, you know, like breathing, maybe in the car before the race start. Or maybe you need to 
adopt a warm-up habit that takes you away from the stress of the start line. You know, it is, I'm, I'm only speaking to people here who have it like this because I know some people are really relaxed at the start line. And for, and for them, this is not relevant. But it could be, for instance, if you find the whole pre-race chatter really just adds to your anxiety, and I know people where this is the case, but go cool, go warm up on your own. You know, just politely make your excuses Go jog real nicely, get your body under control, and then focus on the process. That is, That works for nearly every type of pre-race anxiety, no matter where it comes from. Just focus on the next steps. You know, try and remove any thought of what it is you're trying to do in terms of position and time, who you want to beat, who you don't want to be beaten by, you know, if you take things that seriously. Um, and of course, if you are a high performer, you probably do. So in those cases, you know, I think that's if you can just focus in on what am I going to do right now, you know, trust that the training you did was fine, focus on getting the first kilometer right. And then once you're into the race, usually things are fine. It's it's all that overthinking or too much going on in the hour leading up to the race. I think that often leads to people being way too ramped up. And that means your heart rate's high, your cortisol is high. And you're burning sugar already well before the the whistle or the gun goes. And then obviously quite often you go off too fast on the top of that and then you just crash early and it's a terrible race. So if anyone listens to this and recognizes it, you know, that 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 is actually the key for you to learn to control. It's not so much about fitness. It's first about getting this. You need to be cooler and you need to find out what triggers you um, and triggers your anxiety before races and then eliminate that. And that already will make you a much, much better racer. It's a fantastic point, Rene, and especially, I think, where we are now that maybe we're seeing people again for the first time after a couple of months or, you know, we all know what the topic of conversation is these days. And the last thing you want to be talking about before a race now is new variants or businesses still being closed or not being able to travel. So I think that's one fantastic tip from today over the next couple of weeks. You know, maybe just avoid people or avoid people that you know might be bringing negative energy or avoid people that maybe talk a little bit too much before the race. By all means, afterwards, you know, enjoy the banter and enjoy all the social experiences and the, ch- and the chatter and talk about whatever's going on in your life but to get that maximum race performance yeah as you said maybe do your warm-up on your own for the next couple of weeks maybe one final thing Renee, from from my side in terms of staying sharp during race season and this was a great tip that i got from the irish international race walker rob heffernan that after one of my peak races a couple of seasons ago a trial race for the irish team an immer race it was on the Saturday and, you know, everybody gave it socks, gave 100% effort for the race itself. And as we were coming down, we were chatting to Rob Heffernan on the cool down. And we started talking about our long Sunday run the following day. Like I'm sure so many people do, regardless of what they do on the Saturday, whether it's a hard race or a hard training session, they'll always do their long Sunday run. And he said, lads, why are you doing your, your two-hour long Sunday run tomorrow? You've had your peak race today. Your body needs to recover from the emotional stress, the physical stress. So the worst thing you could do is go out and run for two hours, no matter how easy it is tomorrow. He said, lads, just chill. 
and just do your midweek medium long run and get going again next weekend because you've just done your peak race. And I thought that was wonderful advice. And in all the years I was running, Rene, it was the first time that I heard that that way of thinking after about 15 years. And it was and he was so right. Yeah, I think we have a tendency to do even like a, a medium long run very easy as a minimum uh, for after most races. And I think that it's because partly that was always tradition, Owen. And I think the tradition came from uh, the fact that we want to balance out, you know, the high intensity and restore the aerobic system. So that can be done that way. But he brings up a really good argument, which is that there is a risk associated with putting more mechanical loading through the joints the next day uh, for 90 minutes even and certainly for two hours right i wouldn't usually use two hours by the way i would say 90 minutes is the max after a shorter race and after a longer race we don't use long runs at all um but there, there really is no reason to do it the next day you could easily go and do something much shorter um and then wait a day or two and be more flexible with your calendar because that's actually that brings up a good finishing point f- for understanding racing season and that is you have to be more fluid than ever with your planning day to day um you see schedules for racing seasons but generally this part of the year you're actually nearly reacting day to day so you have a rough idea of what you want to do every week but you need to be super flexible because it's so unpredictable how you react to a race you know so you might have scheduled a little sharpener there on tuesday after your saturday race you know because sure it'll be grand uh, but for some reason your legs are still really heavy and there's no bounce in them at all when you rock up to the track tuesday and then the right call is just to go for jog because there's no point trying to put a sharpener on legs that feel like that yeah, yeah. You know, okay. and, and and that's if you don't have that mentality, if you keep that mentality, no, 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 this it's here, we're gonna do it because people who don't do it, they don't succeed. You know that that's not the right mentality. You know, because maybe you'll be able to do it tomorrow. You know, on the Wednesday, if you've nothing else on. Um, so that's 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 maybe a good final word for me anyway, Owen. Yeah, lots lots of great tips there, Renny. Be flexible as possible. Choose who you speak to before before you get going on race day. And most of all, of course, Renny, to enjoy the racing as well. And unless you're trying to qualify for the Olympic Games, not to take it too seriously over the summertime as well. To get out there and enjoy all those great trail races and all those great Imra races. Renny, thanks a mil, and we look forward to talking to you again in about two weeks' time. Time. and if anybody wants to get in touch with Rene he's always very very helpful always very very good you can get him on runningcoach.ie or on social media as well Rene thanks a mil alright Owen you're welcome And that's a wrap for this week, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the show. Something a little bit different this week. And as I said, it was great to see a couple of Irish over in Valderland as well. I counted four in total. There could have been more, but I'm sure we'll have a lot, lot more in Chamonix in just over five, six weeks' time. Uh, thank you again to all of our patrons who support the show. You can donate if you would like to on patreon.com, Trail Running Ireland podcast. Everybody, have a super week. Enjoy those trails. Enjoy the roads if you're on the roads, of course, as well. Thank you for your support of the show good luck with your training and racing get your running gear on let's go